This is an SM Media production. Hi folks and welcome back to our debut episode of SM Media's Road to Cheltenham 2023. I'm Scott McPike. It is an absolute pleasure to be back on this show. I am delighted as always to be joined by, it's been a long time since we've done a show together, but it is a pleasure to welcome back from the Scottish Daily Mail, the one and only Callum McClurkin. Callum, it's been a while. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, yeah. Uh, back on the show and back on the long road to Cheltenham, which is uh, always good, always good to be yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I'm looking forward to this. Well, I'm probably looking forward to this show more than I've looked forward to anything show-wise in the past couple of months, so it's a pleasure to be back doing this. Obviously, as well, people know we cut, we had to cut the show early last year, obviously due to kind of personal reasons, but thanks very much to everyone who sent kind of message support and de- like, I've been happy for the show to come back. It's really It really shows that the shows are... The show's certainly getting viewers and it's certainly getting people people's eyes on it, so it's been... That's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's always a positive, isn't it? Some people listen to you um, for good or for bad or whatever, um, losing or, or or not losing, um, win, lose or draw. So, yeah, um, it's just good to be back. Um, I think, you know, it's been a tough time for quite a few people, given the like, economic climate and what's yeah. going on. You know, it's just some National Hunt race. And it's, if anything, at least it's a pleasant distraction. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be good to, to get into this every week from now up until the Cheltenham Festival. We are going to do, before we get into talking about, obviously, what's the 2023 Cheltenham Festival, I think it's only right we talk about about the 2022 Cheltenham Festival, where we're anti-post folders were not brilliant, let's be honest. we I I had one, which was a decent treble, that came in with Bob, Honeysuckle and Deli May, and it was the most dramatic treble I think I've ever seen, because it shouldn't have come up, Bob shouldn't have won. Uh, Bob, even Deli May kind of... Uh, Deli May was, a, yeah. Yeah, and... Um... I didn't mind probably your lucky team. 15 was very unlucky to be fair yeah it was um, galloping going the wrong race um, full port of winning like 10-11-1 kind of thing like that um, and uh, Minalindo being second again a few of them ran well ran the race tell me something Gil looked to be winning that yeah, male puzzle I think I she would have won long and brought down so yeah it was, it's a typical kind of 40 roller coaster you get Um Jerry Colomb was a very attractive 51 anti post mm-hmm. Bartlett pick that was down to like eight and then get, then just picked up a, a knock and, and missed it. Um, things like that. But from a personal daily point of view, I mean, I had a really good Friday, which got, got so me. Was, uh, yeah. Everything kind of clicked on Friday. Uh, yeah, it, it, all, it all ended fairly well in the end. We are going to look at the three best performances from last year's festival. We're going to go. We're both going to say we're third, second, and then first of the, the impressive performances last year at the Cheltenham Festival. I think we'll be quite similar here. I think we were both taken by a lot of a lot of performances. But I'm going to go to you for your third. Who was what was the third best Cheltenham performance last year? Uh, Constitution Hill, the Supreme. Okay. Uh, arguably, race fell apart with Dice Up Dynamo. It's like that. The pace was kind of strong. It's really suited them, but the visual impression of it, you know, you get these kind of awesome supreme winners in the first race. It's always kind of imprinted in your memory. Um, it's very impressive. He's obviously very short for the champion hurdle. 
you can see why um, temptation to stay in hurdles. It's just such a big, imposing, relaxed horse, and he, he seems to be a good field. Yeah, I, I Constitution Hill might pop up on mine later <laughs> on, but I was torn between a couple for my third, but I'm going to put Facil Vega in there in the bumper. I thought we, we knew the pedigree of Facil Vega was, was very, very impressive. We knew he was going to be a, a top horse in the future, but I think the way he did that as well with the bumper, because if the bumper was in, the Wednesday was an absolute washout. It was a, any horse that won that day, I would say, would deserve to make a list list because it was a bottomless, it was bottomless ground. But it was the way he took it up because he, just before the, <laughs> just kind of before the last kind of two furlongs, American Mike looked as if he was kind of trying to pull away and Facil Vega just turned it on. And you just saw him gallop into the line. I th- obviously Facil Vega is another one we might talk about. That's potentially his price could be opposable in the, the Supreme, but his performance in the bumper was impressive. And all the right horses came to the fore in that bumper. Yes, exactly. Like, you know, James's gate was third. We've had winners already in behind authorized speed. Yeah, be quite well. So, yeah, it, it does look a strong race, even though the, the ground was very testing and demanding. Mm-hmm. What you got for number two? <coughs> number two is Alaho in the Ryanair. I thought I thought he was really, really good. Um, again, just convincing. One by 14 lengths. It, it just, the way he just pings, faints, it bombs him off from the front. Um, and it was just one of four top-class performances from the last season. Yeah, I thought I, I think I think Alaho all season was was incredible, but that that the way it wasn't a vintage Ryanair and the way he just he, he controlled it, he never looked in any doubt. He just looked at it turned into a, a kind of a very convincing victory. I'm staying with Chibley Park for my number two. I've got Aplotard in the Gold Cup because I think the way he took it out from the second last and just because we we had doubts about his stamina. We've I think we've always had doubts that will he stay the Gold Cup trip. You look at the way he just took, Rachel just took him on that second last and it just it just seemed to power on and power on, and I just loved that performance and it, it was that thing as well and it helped. It, I fancied him on the day. He was getting back into a, a really yeah. good. He was. Yeah. I think everybody clicked on that he was maybe the the potential improver on the race, and I think it was just a it was a perfect story and just a perfect performance for me. Yeah, he he's my number one. Okay. Um, I thought it was like, it's, a, it's a bona fide one eighty performance, twenty odd mm-hmm. lengths, decent field in behind. It just made him look slow. You know, Manila knows traveling really well as well. He was, yeah. He may have kicked on here. But no, picked up, reeled it and hammered up the hill. In, in the same kind of dominant devastation fashion that like he did in the Bet Bear Chase. Mm-hmm. Um he, he just stamps class when he's when he's on it, he's really, really on it. And yeah, he, he's gonna be tough to beat again next year. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that. I'm I'm gonna go for Constitution Hill as number one. I was I thought it was breathtaking. And it was one of those where it was obvious, it was kind of obvious now with the benefit of, of 2020 hindsight that this horse could do something like that because we were, I think me and you in particular, we were, you you kind of liked him <laughs> a bit more than I did. I was kind of looking towards the the kind of dice. I thought Sir Gerhard was going here, I'll be honest, but just the way as you say, and I think a full load of credit needs to go to Nico because he knew and he knew it in the, the first two races, that the uh, Tollworth and the race before that. He knows when to go in this horse. He doesn't need to push for anything. He knows just sit tight. You've made a good point there about Dyside Dynamo and John Bond just completely taking each other on up front. And Coach just now just sat patiently and see once he was just asked to go, oh, wow, what a, what a display. He picks up like or that kind of range of kind of big, massive stride. Mm-hmm. Very relaxed in the way he operates. And 
maybe these novices or anything, John Bond may be a bit too highly strung by stuff time, most certainly was. <laughs> <coughs> so that's why I've only got it at number three, because I think maybe it kind of collapsed a little bit and it's a novice race. But uh, the, the way he approached it, really could be an absolute bona fide superstar that could be here for hopefully a long, long time at the top. And you're a ratings, you're, you're into to ratings, and they gave him a rating of 170 on that. Is that fair? Yeah, around about so. I, I think um, it did look like a 170 performance. You could drill down the five bones and maybe maybe try and pick holes at them, but you're only trying to pick holes at them because he's like really short favourite for the champion. Although mm. you might think mm, he's kind of built for fences, and does he need does he kind of want the ground on the soft side? So in that regard, yeah. But every novice has got to go up and prove it in open company as well, and that's what, that's his next challenge. Yeah, I think it's a good a good opportunity as well to move into what we're going to talk about. We're going to instead of doing the kind of recap every week, we're going to start that next week. We'll look at obviously horses that have caught our eye in the past week or so. Because it's the first episode of the new series, we're going to take a look at the kind of big races at the the festival and kind of look as anything kind of catching our eye in the market so far. I think before we get into that, though, I want to touch a bit on you. I've noticed this year, and I know you have too, that there is very little value in anti-post markets. Yeah, almost none. But I mean, the bookmakers are kind of it's maybe been overprotective and cotton on and things. And <coughs> so there's so little form um, to kind of know. So you know, you know, you get sensitively priced up the Mullins horses and the Henderson horses, and so they're they're seeing the same trends as as punters do, and mm-hmm. being very overprotective about it, and particularly the owners. And it's kind of a tight band of. Like Mullins kind of ruled the roost, so you're just going to naturally focus on him and and, and, and price things conservatively. So it's very hard. We've got to just try and think outside the box as much as possible, or alternatively, just accept that you still like that horse, but just be willing to take a shorter price. Yeah, and it gets us into we'll start with the champion hurdle. Constitution Hill was sitting at five to four, two time champion Honey Circles, four to one. You've got the, the three Wally Mullins horses, Vauban, Stateman, and Sir Gerhard, kind of round about between eight and 14s, Pied Piper, 16s. And there's kind of six horses at the top. You've got Echoes and Main at 25, which, but I think it's all between the, the top six. Callum, I think as well, you've got a two time champion hurdle winner who's won both very well. 16 out of 16 over obstacles. Did you did you think I know Constitution Hill was a freak in the Supreme, but Honeysuckle sitting four to one, does that tell you the kind of the weirdness of this market already? Yeah, it probably should be a little bit closer. Um maybe Honeysuckle should be maybe something like three to one, Constitution Hill fifteen to eight, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it just says how much highly regarded Constitution Hill is. Um, nuke in the block. It, it maybe highlights that the champion hurdle form in recent seasons mm-hmm. is lacking, and that Honeysuckle hasn't maybe beaten much. But on, on the flip side, you know, she wins every battle that she's been in. Yeah. Um, she's versatile. She's in open company. She'll get seven pounds, which will which will be a help. And so, so I mean, there's questions and answers on both sides a little bit. Um, I also think in behind's priced pretty spot on, to be honest. You can't really see an outsider uh, getting involved. And I think Willie Mullins is using Sunday's Morgiana as a kind of, do I have anything that will uh, get yeah. close? 
I think that's I think that's a weird one because like I don't think all three of these are going to line up line up against each other in the Morgiana. So, for example, Sir Gerhard, I thought would go over fences. I still think he possibly could. I think it, but you've got the likes of Vauban, who's obviously that four turn and five thing that we talk about. State man looked ahead of the handicapper. Sir Gerhard's won a Ballymore. So there's three interesting contenders, but they're not all going to take each other, take on each other on Sunday. Well, Willie Mullen says that six of them are, are intended runners at the moment. Obviously, it's unlikely as well, but I, again, I just think it's him trying to establish a, a pecking order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <coughs> you've got Sergei Hart coming back in trip. He should deal with it, but to me, Smack's more of a chaser than than a hurdler. Um, and his record at Punchestown isn't good at all. He's, I think it's zero for two at Punchestown. Yeah. The only venues of his two defeats, Punchestown mm-hmm. and State Man's going up in grade, did prove at Punchestown, but that can have an end of season grade one novice feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, is he going to progress or is he going to be a bit like St. Ryan, maybe find his, find his level in open company, like maybe be third or fourth, something like that? Vauban, I think, is the one that might have the potential starburst. Um, I thought that triumph looked pretty strong. Uh, the right two Elliot pair were in behind. Um, he showed a good turn of foot. He looks speedier than your average kind of trying forcing all the goat quite up and trip. You wouldn't want to do that with him immediately. So I think he's probably the one outside the top two that you'd be looking at for third. And uh, if Sharjah comes back, uh, he'll be targeted that race at Christmas. I think he's like 33, 40 to one. Mm-hmm. You know, the old place merchant, you know, and if it does cut up and the top two scare each other, then he might be the one for third if Epitone does run in the mayor's huddle, for instance. Mm-hmm. So you could make a case for, for building up at him at the Leopardstown at Christmas, and he was he was on track for that. He seemed declared for it. You'd expect him to win that because that's his bread and butter, and to probably run in the champion huddle again and get placed. So you, you, you might poach at each way price in him. But, I mean, apart from that, it's it does look like between the top two and it's whatever, whatever side of the the coin that you want to be on on the day yeah and I think it's, it's going to be that thing as well with Constitution Hill if he runs on Saturday and then obviously goes to Christmas and maybe even a contenders or something is he going to shorten too much in price even if Honeysuckle was to if Honeysuckle was to do what she does every year and one or two starts before Cheltenham you're not going to see too much of a break in the market are you? No yeah I don't think anyone in their right mind would put Honeysuckle larger than Five to one, another yeah. two, doing what he's doing. I mean, there's too much respect for for her unbeaten record. Mm-hmm. If Constitution Hill is winning everything by 20, 30 lengths again, yeah. maybe beating some decent horses, proving himself in better ground as well. Um, take a lead, be versatile. And yeah, you can see him going odds on, but I, I don't think I don't think it'd be like an absolute penalty kick. Either way for 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 either horse when it when it when it comes to the day whatever really happens so yeah if if you back one now say you're in I'm going to back Constitution Hill you're always going to be mindful of Honeysuckle come March if you're going to back Honeysuckle right now you're always going to be mindful of Constitution mm-hmm. Hill so if, I was, so if I was to give you a five or three bet then now just for, for this race one only who would it be I'd put it on Honeysuckle. So I would go honeysuckle just at the value more than anything. I fully respect Constitution Hill, but I think I don't say you. I don't think there's many times you'll have seen a two-time champion hold the winner sitting about four to one in November. So I 
think that can be a serious, serious play. Three mile division. Now we've got an interesting look at this on Sunday with the Liz Mullen Hurdle. We just look at obviously four importers, another one sitting at two uh, two time champion, you a horse you really, really like. Obviously sitting about five to one just now, didn't win on Sunday. But uh, Blazing Cow is about six to one. We've we've not really we're not really sure if he, we know he's probably going to stay over hurdles, but is he going to be kind of a hundred percent tip top? You've got a likes of classical dream, Bob Ollinger obviously came back and was picked by the horse that won, I forget the name of it now. Uh owned by the lane. Owned by the lane. What do we think of this three mile division? I know you're a big fan of Florin Porter. What were you were you really put off in Sunday's display, or was it similar to last year where you just thought ah he'll come alive at Cheltenham? I mean, slightly underwhelming. I mean, he did get a soft enough time up front for for the first part of the race, challenging. He outpaced and boxed on with Ashley Ball for a for a head ball beaten third. You know, he finished fourth, and Ashley Ball was third. Um, I just think you'd like a horse that he's just he's just going to peak in March. March mm-hmm. trip's too short an avenue. They're going through there. They'll go to they'll go to Leicester Christmas, and then they'll go to the the festival in March. And, <laughs> it's a, a trying tested formula and that's why he's still favourite and, and rightfully so he's constantly underestimated I think people are looking for ways to see him getting beaten um, if the same horses turn up they'll probably beat him again at Cheltenham might not happen at other tracks mm-hmm. um, the thing is is he going to get a soft lead again at Cheltenham um, is, is there something there is Willie Mullins going to run two? Is Gornelli going to run two? Is someone going to just, we'll, we'll just pester him and soften him up and try and get him beat? Um, so the fact that he is still kind of under the radar, not, not under the radar because he's a favourite, but slightly disrespected a little bit in, 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 the, in the kind of his, his general makeup and kind of, you know, he's a bit kind of one dimensional. He's, he's not a world beater. They still kind of allow him to have his own way because they know it'll harm their chance as well. Um, I think he'll win again. I mean, I know it's quite hard to to keep winning at festivals, but the Steers Huddle is a good place to do it. Uh, Big Box did it. You know, I mean, there's, there's plenty, plenty that kind of came out of the Steers Huddle that could win that race over and over again, run well consistently in it over and over again. Paisley Park is admirable in that in that regard. You mm-hmm. know, um, so yeah, he, he's still the one to beat. For me, by by some way, that Liz Mullen Hurdle obviously was interesting with Zanny here, who I just don't think ran any race at all. I don't think he's maybe going to stay the trap. But Bob Ollinger last year obviously was a bit of a weird one. He'd won his two chase starts before the turners and looked okay enough. I, I wasn't, it wasn't brilliant. It wasn't like mesmerising, but obviously picked up the pieces with galloping forward in the turners and then just completely bottomed out in the three mile. I'm not sure whether it was fences that was the issue last year with Bob Ollinger. I think he just was was running too many hard, maybe too hard races. He that obviously galloping, I think, toyed with toyed with him at times, and I didn't understand what they were thinking putting him over three miles after that because he just didn't look. To me, I remember texting you at the time. He was so opposable. I think he was like six to five in that three mile chase, and I just couldn't have him at all. Obviously, pulled up in it as well. And I think we saw the same thing maybe on Sunday where he didn't he, he came into the race pretty well, but when you asked him to to really go on and kick for home, something picked something just got him in the line. And is it going to be a thing with Bob Ollinger where he's going to come into race, he's going to look 
brilliant at certain points in the races, but when you really ask him to dig deep, he's going to maybe struggle. I think there's some issue that's pretty hard to detect with him physically. Um, just empties. He completely emptied for me, um, and his head was up quite high. And mm-hmm. there's something, something bothering him. Um, the class is still there because the way he travelled, jumped yeah. well, and he was he was backed off the boards in the weekend. Mm-hmm. He was backed as if defeat was out of the question. Henry de Bromhead was pretty despondent afterwards as well. I think there was an indication that he'd done something pretty good in at home coming into this, and I think they thought he was back. And then when serious question went off the bridle, turned out he wasn't. Um, I, I I think I think he's, he's going to be very very hard to trust in the future at any trip. Um, the way the way he runs now, there's no chance he's going to get home in a stairs hurdle. I know that's the thing with me as well because that that Liz Mullen hurdle was set up perfectly. Like home with the lead came from miles away. Home with the lead and didn't not look the one. I would love to have seen the exchanges two out. And you just thought he was going to just go home. I still don't think he would have been favourite for the stairs, actually, even if he'd won impressively. Because I still think the three mile thing's a weird, a weird direction to go down. I know we were talking about this horse for a gold cup trip, but when you when you completely when you look completely out of any any condition in, in tunnels, he was if Gallup had won that, he would have just walked away from Bob Ollinger. It would have been about 20, 20 30 lengths. Mm-hmm. So to then go to three miles and then go, d- go down the route over hurdles, and hurdles can bring the best out, I, I get that. But I just have a weird thing that the trip isn't the problem. Yeah, I don't think the problem. I don't think the type of obstacles are the problem either. Hurdles and fences. I think yeah. It's jumping, <coughs> it's, it's jumping fences is adequate, really. Um, it was fine. It wasn't like, it wasn't brilliant, but it wasn't like where you would say, oh, he's, he's, he should never jump a fence again. It was perfectly fine. I just think there's not a lot of steel when asked a question. The, the way he throws his head up in the air, I think he's kind of kind of chopped it, but maybe something's kind of bothering him when he's, when he's properly, properly. But on the other hand, I'm looking at that as well. You look at the when he beat Capadano before Cheltenham, he showed a lot of grit that day. Yeah, but something's happened. In, in yeah. Way, I mean, but I would, would you abandon hope? I mean, Envoy Allen's kind of came back to some semblance of of winning, so so maybe there's something there, but I just don't think we'll see that old kind of bona fide superstar potential again. Yeah, one horse I want to touch on with you, who I know you're a fan of, is Blazing Carl. Now, you were talking last year about this horse, and I did agree, I don't think he's the best jumper in the world, but I think it's interesting, they're keeping him over hurdles, and he does have a serious engine, I don't think there's any doubt about that, but it's 6-1 to one for a stairs hurdle in November, and we're hearing reports that he's maybe not in tip-top order, to me, he's, I can't have him. So another setback. Um, won't be seen till after Christmas. <coughs> I think it's just a complete act of desperation to try and actually find something that's unexposed, progressive, and that can beat Florian Porter. He could be good in time. I think he probably isn't. He's good in time. He needs to brush up on his jumping. Um, personally, I couldn't have him. Um, it's a quick point in Zana here. He had a big, big tumble in three last season, mm-hmm. and that seems to have affected his confidence big time because he's absolutely skying his hurdles. Yeah, early doors in that race, so it's uh, a lot of work to for him to come back. Is there anything else in that division that catches your eye? Because I really liked Prashima's performance the other day in the 
Bet365 heard the win. Oh, it, was a, it wasn't a brilliant race, but it was a, a really convincing performance. I would probably look at maybe him as an each-way player compared to anything else, depending they go down that route. I just don't think he'll stay around Cheltenham. Um, again, I just I think Flo and Porter will, will ju- just get the fractions right again. And, and you know, he has pace to beat the speed horses around there. Um, so, so last season would be classical dream. Mm-hmm. And it's the stamina to keep the stairs at bay. Mm-hmm. I like to Paisley Parker. I think he's got Paisley Park. So he's, he's got that blend again. I think he's a lot more solid than than he's given credit for, but just because he get quirks and he runs badly elsewhere, and the people I think are trying just trying to find a way to get beat, and at the moment, I can't. So you're you're in the floor Porter camp. We will move into the chasers. Let's start with the Queen Mother Champion Chase Division. Energamine obviously set the going for two in a row at nine to four. Shishkin are is the comeback going to happen three to one. You've got Elisa Fernie Hollow, Edward Stone sitting at the two, obviously probably stand out to my own novices last year, about eight and ten to one. Green eighteen fourteens. It all depends on obviously we the last show we did was the before the uh, Clarence House, which was epic between Energamine and Shishkin. We thought we would see maybe Shishkin going again, but obviously something happened and Energamine won very well that day. This division's interesting because Shishkin's obviously the fly in the ointment. We'll maybe get into one later on with a fly in the ointment where if he's fit, he's not going to be three to one. Yeah, it's it's, it's a big if given the way he bottomed out last season's champion chase mm-hmm. by a fence. You, you knew pretty much after one fence. He knew straight away he was done, yeah. Right. Uh, they did the sensible thing, pulled up. It's kind of a, a weird kind of bone thing, apparently. Um, can be treatable. So, Will they make the tingle peak in time? I don't think they will. I think they'll go for Desert Orchid at Kempton. I think they'll go for something soft. <coughs> Similar last year because he came out last year in that. He came out last year at Christmas and looked really impressive. And that's the thing. There was remember there was the issues last year with him with the the kind of ground and things like that. We were a lot of people are leaning into Nicky Henderson. It's not unlike that. I don't think the Tingle Creek will be the be all and end all. I don't think they'll be massively looking to get a run into him before. Christmas. I don't think they'll be a massive rush. I mean, they'll just take their time and whatever's the right opportunity they'll take. Um, a bit like Altior, I think he'd probably come back in the Desert Orchid and he'll probably take on a Nubian Negra type horse there um, <laughs> and then try and definitely peak him for the champion chase. But, but you know, after what happened, you can't touch him at 3 1. No, you can't. I mean, got within a length of a basket. You know, he did quite well. It was okay. It's hard to see the form turn around at the time, but obviously, energy means improved for that. While Shishkin kind of was a bit broken from it, um, mm-hmm. and, and energy means then going on to prove subsequently at Pontchartrain it can do it in better ground with different tactics. So yeah. uh, I think he's very, very hard to, to pick a hole in, and, and the you know, skimpy prices and, and um, shocking value at ninety four right now for him doesn't seem too bad. Um, what about the kind of the, the novices stepping up? You get likes of Fernie Hollow, who I think if you're if you're thinking Shishkin's difficult to you're taking a I think Fernie Hollow's very brittle, very brittle character at eight to one. Edward Stone's obviously the Arco winner, was obviously beaten by gentlemen to me, who I was very disappointed in the other day. Is there anything up and coming that could potentially put a hat throw at tenor you mean? In the two mile division, no. I think the Arco last year was shocking. Um, 
Edelson won it, um, and he, he won it quite well. But I actually think he probably will go up and trip rather than go down. So, and I think I think he might find it difficult to back that up quickly. And Warlord gets smashed by Gretchen in the Halden Gold Cup when he came up. Like, third time lucky, get smashed in that same race, mm-hmm. didn't travel the legs. So we, novices coming from the two mile division at the moment aren't cutting it. I think Blue Lord's finishing effort was fairly tame. Mm-hmm. Um, Gavin Aku, who's a steer, was second ultimately. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's much opposition for the open company. And then Ruby Negger won a, a short chase at 1 to 10, um, but he's pulled out because of the heavy, heavier going conditions. It was well fresh. You know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to just go to Kempton and then they'll come here. Yeah, there's a track. He was twice, he was second two years ago. He was a bit unlucky. That was three to one each way for him. Isn't atrocious. Um, see, with Grenatine, if he comes out of Tingle Creek, he, he might each way consideration, but I don't really see anything else. No, it's fairly hollow. I really like, but I'm not back. Appreciate it. You know, they, they, these are two that you're kind of trying to think where they are, but you, you can't you can't possibly know until you see them. You know, fairly hollows get more kind of preliminary entries than appreciate it does at this mm-hmm. stage, uh, probably because he's not as ground dependent. Um, but. We've seen appreciate we've seen appreciate it come out last season when he ran quite well in the champion of the last I thought he ran really well in the champion of the last before before kind of understandably blowing up and, and couldn't go with him. So yeah, I mean you can you can make a case for one of them uh, or or either of them. Um, but again, eight ten to one, you're, you're taking a risk against him. I mean, who's comfortably a mid one seventy horse that's that's a defending champion that's broke that curse for Willie Mullins of winning the champion chase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's not. He's not going to not going to go anywhere anytime soon. No, he is not. And we'll move into the Ryanair division. Alaho obviously sitting about sixty four. We know he was aimed for the King George, but obviously there's, he's had a setback, and we might not see him before the festival. You look at this market, and I'm just going to gallop into Sean Shishkin, Fairly Hollow, Brave Man's Game, Fakir Dudiri. It shows you there's not a lot of depth to that division, and the thing with Alaho is, is that. He might not get a run before Cheltenham, but you would still... And it's not an unlike Willie Mullins to do that, to send a horse straight to Cheltenham without a run. He did it with Corvega and Benny the Jew back in the day. But are you taking six to four, knowing that he's had setbacks and he's not on target for where they need him to be? I don't think he can, really. Um, Again, it's just a market where you just leave alone at this stage. I think you do, yeah. Um, The fact that there's no alarming drift suggests that he will definitely be on track for March at the moment. So, but I, I just think it's just a bit twisted between division. You know, there's 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 steers in there that are trying to prove that are Gold Cup horses, mm-hmm. galloping the show, long press, and potential two miles in there. Uh, Edwards can, you know, horses like that, fairly all. So, it, the champion chase will go cover more lucrative. So, unless the trip is inadequate. Your 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 top three one horses don't come here. Unless Do you look at a horse like Fakir Dudiri at maybe twelve to one, who obviously <coughs> last year avoided avoided Alaho and the Ryanair and won these Grade Ones before and after Cheltenham? Do you look at maybe if if Alaho doesn't run, does twelve to one for him look massive now that he doesn't have that really yeah, superior yeah. rival in place? P. McManus always likes entry, doesn't he? Yeah, they, they do target that race with him. 
like like they say with gentler than me, I mean, Aintree is partly the target there, mm-hmm. not the article. Um, whether they adapt it, but, but that would need to be, I'll only need to be ruled out, you know, with, with a fair degree of notice there, Fakir Dubery to, to probably go there. Um, yeah, you, can just, you can see it happen, but but that bet is purely based on Alaho not turning up, um, which is certainly not a given because if he does turn up, Fakirduri will not go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, was at a similar price, which will probably go even if he's there. Maybe Breesmansky probably will take his chance, for instance, in in that race. Um, there'll be there'll be others in there that, that will probably take their chance. I mean, Edelson would probably take his chance if he shoots. Mm-hmm. He's a two and a half miler. Um, so there's there's a bit of kind of there's just nothing kind of set in stone bet against Alho at the point if you're lukewarm. And I was lukewarm for him about the King George. I wasn't convinced he was gonna go there either. Just didn't think he would be right, I don't think I didn't think he wanted to kind of change the kind of what he's been doing before. I didn't see yeah. much appetite from the trainer in that regard really to go there. And and they've got Envoy Allen now as a as a seven backup, which was quite coincidentally announced at a similar time. Yeah. And I think the thing as well, you look at a brave man's game for example who I don't think we're. I don't think we're thinking he's going to be anywhere near. I don't think he'll go the Gold Cup route. I don't. But when you, if that was to cut up now, did you like his performance at the Charlie Hall? Did you think it? I, I thought he jumped really well. I thought it was easily the. I think if if you've got if the plan was Gold Cup, if the if Paul Nichols came and said we're aiming this horse at the Gold Cup, he would be a lot shorter than he is. But you know, it's all about the King George for him. Yeah, he's camping like King George horse. He's he's won the Cato Star. I just don't think there's a lot off the bridle with him. Um, the Chapman Hall was great. I mean, he's jumped, he jumped fantastically, jumps mm-hmm. as well as anybody. He obviously jumped as well as Alho, arguably. Um, yeah. Like he is, but um, he didn't extend after. I mean, he looked, he looked like he would win by 15, 20 lengths in the snap. He didn't. He won by four mm-hmm. from, from Sam Brown, who's painted a dream. Quite exposed for that level, uh, and he, he wasn't extending away as he would, as he would kind of like. Um, you saw that, and when he he'd beaten his novice hurdle at Cheltenham, really, um, I, I didn't think there was a lot there for pressure, uh, and that could be the same with King George as well. Um, I, I'm aesthetically brilliant, brilliant to watch, lovely to look at, you know, perfect, um, superficially, it's all there, but. When when it when the business end, I think there's a big big doubt about him. Um, there's enough of a doubt to take him on the King George as well. Mm-hmm. Aye, I mean I, I couldn't have my eleven to ten for a King George. I would look outside the market, but it'll obviously lead us into the Gold Cup, where you've you've got maybe a similar situation, not in terms of the market completely going for a a horse like the way it's going for Constitution Hill. But you've got Appletard set at seventy two, which I think is fair. Galloping Deschamps, however, was 11 to 4. Now, Galloping Deschamps is an interesting one because obviously we saw last year he is a natural over fences. He had that blip in the turners, but he came out the next day and punched down and looked. It didn't bother him at all when he was stepping up and trip. The Gold Cup trip, in terms of Galloping Deschamps, we know he's a strong traveller. The one thing I want to kind of say, and I don't know if you'll agree or disagree, 
you look at that Turners and you look at maybe the first four or five and a lot of the races he's run over fences, he gets too high in the air at a lot of his starting fences. He settles into it. He's very keen, He's a, but he has a strong traveller. And I'm just, the fear, I couldn't, 11 to 4 the now, to me, for that reason, I would maybe stay away just at the time being. Is he, is the strong, is he a too strong a traveller and is he too keen to be a, to be a Gold Cup player? I think the engine's there to, to bail him out in that regard. I mean, Pedigree's definitely there. Sky's a couple because maybe they're going maybe a hair too quick at the start from. Um, but it, once he gets into a rhythm, it's it's very, very good to watch. Uh, I, I don't have much concern about him getting the trip. Mm-hmm. I think he's learned to settle, he's learned to relax. And I particularly saw that punch just down there. I thought he looked a lot more measured. Um, again, it's just a question of what race do you pitch him in an open company for him to kind of adapt to that? Um, I think Savage Jesus is probably an obvious go-to point, really. Um, doesn't really need a beginner's kind of warm-up into no. things. So, yeah, I, I, think it'll be, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, but it is, it is a valid question. Um, the last, last year's Gold Cup was slowly run as well, and that, that suited Apolitar, so... That would suit Galpin de Champ as well. If if he does indeed settle a little bit, um, I think they're two very hard horses to split. And the market seems to be. I think the market. You'd lean, lean towards Appletar slightly because he's got open company. He's only something nine. You know, he's not. He's not definitely not too old really to, to defend his crown. You look at the kind of other horses in the race. Long, long press will probably get a better idea on Saturday, but. He's going to be like an open company. Statler, obviously, a really impressive one in a national one chase. Ahoy, Senor, Capadano, you've got like of Envoy Allen, who obviously won the. I don't think Envoy Allen's Gold Cup material. I really don't. I thought, I think he was, I think everything worked in his favour in the, the last day. Galvin didn't run any race at all. I don't think he's going to be a Gold Cup contender. In Wild, no, he's probably he's still sticking to go out and prove his consistency. Um, he's a bit of an awkward customer as well. He was given a brilliant ride to win that. Mm-hmm. He's shuffling a few and it's slow come at the back and get always kind of trying to chip him along a little bit. Um, Galvin didn't have his ground, did a race fitness on his side. He made a big bad mistake at Down Royal in the champion chase when the race was kind of developing. I thought the one to take out of it was conflated. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so weak in the market. He obviously needed the run. He absolutely breezed into it. Didn't make any mistakes. The trip to Ryan was a little bit too short. They didn't try and campaign him as a Gold Cup horse. I think it would teed up nicely for to go to Leperstown next. He should come on for that run quite significantly. Forty to one's a little bit, arguably a little bit big, big for him. Maybe you've got two, two, two superstars really at the top of the market though. So. You can see why everything is everything's quite quite a bit longer. Um, I think Statler's going to develop into a better horse than Galvin as well, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't entirely rule him out. You've got protecting that who could maybe improve a little bit further as well. So um, it's a decent looking division. Yeah, I'm not totally against Capadano either at a big price, just to potentially because he he certainly potentially looks as if he's going to be better over a trip, and he just I don't know whether he's. I don't think he's anywhere near the quality quality of a Galpin de Champ. But just when you you look at Gold Cups and the slowly run races at times and the a lot of 
slow horses can hit the frame. Santini being a perfect example. Capadano could fit that bill. Completely depends how it's run. Um, mm-hmm. Capadano was kind of they were they were you know, thinking that he was oh he might be a great one horse and they were kind of riding him yeah. men in punches down you know he was more positive and mm-hmm. responded quite well and won so he, he he's quite good if I was Willie Mullins I'd take him and turn the flyer to the King George I think he's a really good chance of attacking yeah. the King George it's not slow he, I th- I think he would be of interest there if if he went there along with Tony Flyer. You look at the King George market as well, like a brave man's game sitting at 11 to 10, but there's not much in behind it. You've got obviously Tornado Flyer, La Home Press, I don't know if he'll go there. But Hitman, you've then got Hitman at 10s, Royal Pagai at 16s. There's not really there's not really much you can take on Brave Man's game with, but the same thing, Brave Man's game at 11 to 10 is just too short for me. And I don't mm-hmm. fancy Envoy Allen. And Envoy Allen, kind of untrustworthy, Tornado Flyer hasn't done much. Since um, since winning really at Kempton, no. um, if he shows a little bit of spark this weekend, he'd be in the conversation. I'm just thinking, maybe do you do you go with do you give Gallop and Deschamps maybe that because it's a it's a three miles. He's we knew we thought last year he would beat Brave Man's game over three miles. So could he be tempted to maybe go there? I think he'd be the one for for Christmas for for the big race. Yeah. Mm. Let's get into the novice I'm pub. Just- I would chance it would be Capadano, personally. It could be Capadano. I wouldn't be totally against it. I don't see a price for Capadano, actually, but if he goes there, I, would be, I wouldn't be against him at all. Novice hurdles. Let's look at a few here. We'll obviously start with the, I think, the horse that's going to dictate everything where everybody goes is Facil Vega. Really impressive winner of the bumper. He's twos for the Supreme. He's about fives for the Ballymore. Now, a lot of bumper winners tend to go the Ballymore route, but the vibes from the Mullins camp seem to be that they're, they're aiming towards the Supreme. What do you think of Facil Vega? Do you think Supreme is going to be where they go or Ballymore? Because the Ballymore record with bumper winners, it, sh- it tells me something. Like, yeah, it's a very attritional bumper as well. Isn't it? I mean, it's, it's definitely got stamina, so the, mm-hmm. the trip is not going to be a problem if they go that way. It's just that Redemption Day's out, so you think, mm, he's probably the speed horse and the two-miler. Um, Two-miler might be a bit weak at the moment, but it's really, really early days in that regard. You don't have a lot of the kind of... Constitution Hill, although it was even out at this time. So. No. So you don't really know at the moment. But he's, he's, he's undoubtedly the, the number one novice hurdler that people are looking out for and wanting to see. Is a back and forth at the moment? No, simply because it's too early and he's too short. Yeah. A couple of horses in the canal the kind of mid-range trip that have, have caught the eye. American Mike obviously came out in a two-mile six, won it pretty well. It wasn't it wasn't amazing. Like I wouldn't go out my way to say that like, it was I, I liked him for this for the Ballymore for a since we saw him over kind of bumpers and things like that. But he's kind of relatively unchanged in the market. But where did you think of him? Were you impressed with his, his debut over hurdles? Yeah, I think in, in the close season, I think there was like nines and if you if you are on that kind of price, I think you'd be you'd be fairly pleased with its developing. Um, he was always going to improve for hurdling, wasn't he? Um, the engines they are he travelled in this similar kind of ominous fashion. He put the race early to bed, not too badly. Let's be clear about it. it isn't a bad horse. He was coming from a longer break, so it's probably a maiden that's got some depth to it. Um, yeah, you can see him going for like. Maybe a, a lot of the nice mm-hmm. being a big kind of mid-season 
target for him really and teeing him up for the Ballymore. I think you'd probably nail him down as as, as a he'd be 90, 95% certain that he'd be he'd be in the Ballymore, won't he? He's, he's to have enough toll for that, yeah, you'd think. Mm-hmm. Next one, Hermes Alain, obviously won at Cheltenham last last uh, Friday. It was a big, it was a good race. I think there's a few horses you can take out of it. I think Hubrisco never got home. I think I just think the the kind of bottom fell off him a wee bit. But Hermes Alain's two from two. He did it impressive enough. Is ten to one a decent price for him? Are you taken by him so far? Not really. Uh, Hubrisco's kind of a summer horse, isn't he? And he's mm-hmm. in good ground and. It's just a bit too traditional music drive, and he's three miles at least. And he was second to, I thought the third we've all we've all been caught was quite mm-hmm. an eye catcher and a soft ground. You know, he had no idea what his job was until probably jumping the last and then staying on quite well. He did it well enough. You can see him turn up in a, in a shallow, be Nichols' shallow horse, and then you know a monster, which a monster of Willie Mullins will turn up or. Henry de Bromheads or Gordon Elliott for the Ballymore and he won't go and he'll go to entry. Mm-hmm. Anything catching your eye in the novice division? Like is there, like Champ Keely maybe caught, caught my eye. I wouldn't probably back him, but he looks as if he could potentially be a, a fast Bartlett horse. Champ Champ Keely, I think, would be kind of your early kind of season marker, wouldn't he, for, for the early season fun. He's gonna come out, he's probably the, the one that's come out early on and and made the most noise really, uh, and, and made the biggest impression and the form and behind of all his races. Is stacking up, so that's that's your early season markers. Um, I've, I've got a couple in the five to four later that, that are novice hurdles that I think are, are a little bit sleepers uh, in that regard. Novice chasers, let's get into. We we were recording this before John Bond's going to run at Warwick, so we might we could either be, look great or look terrible here. But John Bond leads the kind of Arco market ten to three. El Fabiolo, Sir Gerhard appreciates it. Banbridge is one. I get what I get your thoughts on in a couple of minutes, but we're recording this. Obviously, we don't know what John this this could go out, and John Bond could look top class and be even shorter. But ten to three for the Arkle. We know Nicky Henderson's got a terrific record in this race. He targets it. I thought maybe after the race with El Fabiolo entry that he might have been maybe one to go up and trip, but I think he will go Arkle. Yeah, it seems Arkle. Um, he's going to improve for offence in terms mm-hmm. of his technique. Um, the one quibble you'd have is temperament. He boils That's over. the thing. He's he sweated. Yeah, he's he's a prone he's sweater. A sweater. He's a bit of a, he can be a bit of a free goer and you know, slightly bit of a concern that you get the freshness out of it. Not shoot a concern today in a three-hour race. Mon Morales enough to prove from last season in, in West Courts where he had a run out at Warwick and he jumped markably right. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a decent little novice and it'll be a decent starting point for him. You'd expect him to win. You'd expect him to look to look the part for sure. Um, at entry, I thought he was okay. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he has got all the right kind of attributes to make the grade. He's the obvious starting point. He's the obvious early favourite. But there are holes that you can maybe pick in terms of in terms of his temperament for fences. You know, maybe he, he maybe might be too over exuberant for his own good early doors. I'm just kind of looking through kind of like uh, Mullins' horses in the market, for example. He's got El Fabiolo, Sir Gerhard, appreciate it. Dysart Dynamo, we don't really know much about what's what the plans are. Flame Bearer. Mullins will have a couple of darts to throw at this race. 
what's the one that stands out to you that you think could be the the arcle, the what the main arc loss? Uh, the, the one in terms of talent anywhere we go, if he goes over fences, would be Sergei Val. Right. Um, then maybe El Fabio, although I never got the impression that he was one of their top novices hurlers last year. Mm-hmm. Whether that will translate offences, it might. Um, he, he did run John Bourne obviously close, but uh, it's just really hard to judge. Flame Bearer could be useful. Um, you know, I, I think the trainer is still trying to establish pecking orders. Yeah. For, for other people outside looking in to maybe try and gauge it is going to be is going to be pretty difficult at, at this stage. A couple of Elliot horses I want to touch on that I know you you were a fan of. Obviously, Three Stripe Life is potentially I thought looked pretty good. I thought he jumped pretty well. He's six to one for the Marsh, about seven to one for the Brown Advisory. What do you think would be the target of him? Because he, I, I think he's always looked an out and out stare to me. Possibly, um, and I would keep him two and a half miles at the moment. I don't really see an urge to go up and trip with him. Um, he won, he won as he likes. I don't think really know how much you know that he's just kind of he's, he's translated his hurdles from from fences. That's you know all we really know at the moment. Um, stem of Tesla away. He, he, he might throw him in a drin more, mm-hmm. um, something like that. Uh, that, that could kind of be a, a big test of the war, but I, I think I, I think he's pretty good. I think he'll, he will, he's definitely one to one to have significant interest in. It's around a seven or eight to one mark, and that's it's, it's fair enough. It's, it's neither a, a backers or a layers kind of, yeah. Mighty Potter as well, obviously, one over two miles. Looked, he obviously fell in the Supreme, but he's he's always looked to me that he's going to be potentially a horse better suited to going up. I don't think he'll be a two-mile horse. I think he's probably into a, a three-stripe life in Jericho alone, maybe go up to maybe Brown Advisory. Mighty Potter could be the terminal horse. Could be. Um, he does have this kind of you know, lugging head carries where he always looks and wanders away and idles a little bit. Um, he's, he's a solid kind of horse. Um, is he going is he? I'm not sure he's grade one material myself. Um, he could well be, but again, he's Golly, like does have a strong. He's, he's developing a strong hand on all his chasers. Hollow Games was pretty good as well. Yeah, it was yeah. For offence, uh, big style and, and a and all this chase, it tends to work out quite well during the season. Jerry Colom yesterday, I thought was really good. He's maybe going to turn up later on and maybe one of our picks, but he could be one as well. I know last year you spoke about him for the Bartlett. He looks to be similar to obviously Ginto, who obviously was really unfortunate what happened there, but. Just the profile that Jerry Colomb's got, he could, he looks a lot better over a fence. Yeah, no, he's promised to be. Um, I do like this horse a lot, like a big kind of strapping type, striking professional, just gets on with it. Yeah, and there's absolutely no nonsense with him. And he jumped very efficiently. Um, I think he showed a little bit of pace towards the end to win that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's versatile enough. The ground at Thorgs was good to soft, which I think jarred him up a bit, so that's why we didn't see him in the season. So that is a concern. I mean, if, if if it comes to spring and it's good ground, that might be too much of a risk. Um, it will they will need to be the world's soft in the going distinction for him to turn up in the spring. Yeah, couple of British horses, Time Hill and Stage Star, have both got off defence. Their their chase starts really, really impressively. Actually, I thought Time Hill was actually really good. Would I back him at seven to one for a for a Brown advisory? I don't know because I I don't think. 
top class hurdlers, particularly at three miles, going over fences. They tend to stay over hurdles too long. I think the only horse in the past 10 years that's maybe done it and obviously didn't live up tight was Thistlecrack. Would that be a concern? Yeah, Thistlecrack, you know, Faheen had a good go at it. Mm. Um, I, I think maybe he has taken a season too long, but he's been schooling in the background and always like, comfortable with it, they've toyed with it. Um, I think there was a lot to work on with his open performance. Um, it's probably encouraging that he was a, a little bit rusty in, in that regard. Um, again, just in, when it comes to the battle, finishes second and third or fourth very often for my life. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't I just wouldn't trust him. It's an up and comer and, and, and but he's definitely he's as he, as he always is in the stairs level, he's definitely in the conversation. You know Absolutely, I mean? yeah. He's very hard to knock out of any frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just you just wonder if, if there's you know something that's a bit more steel in it that'll that'll be him. Yeah. Right, let's get into a five to follow. Let's I'll let you have the floor for this because I We'll just go through mine quickly, but you go first because I am quite eager to hear your five to follow. Yeah, try to get a, a, a positive mix. Um, your own story, Lucinda Russell, six year old. Um, was third in the same air maiden of a, a hoist and yours was in last year. Um, and it, it got really well backed. It was, it was kind of narrowly beaten. Um, and then it went to Aintree where 10 of the 19 fences were removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a three-mile novice chase for it, narrowly beat, but it jumped comfortably the best. Um, that's the same race Corrick Rambler won before going on to, mm-hmm. to better things and eventually winning an Ultima. Mm-hmm. Um, so the yard kind of liked to aim the best horses at these kind of races. Um, so I, th- I think he's definitely one to watch. He's an entry as well at Haydock on Saturday, which I hope he would win because he's been declared. Um the jockey booking's been done anyway, so I hope you turn up for that over three mile four. So obviously seen as a as a serious kind of steer for the future, uh, whether he needs another year and um, to win the kind of the bigger handicap races, but he's definitely better than one one six. I think mm-hmm. he'd probably pay his way in the short term. Uh, again. So hopefully he might climb the ladder, he might an ultima might be a bit too kind of undulating track for him, but maybe a Scottish national, something like that. Mm-hmm. Could suit yeah. him uh, down to a T. Yeah, the second one is an oversubble. Path to Rue of Gavin Cromwell's five-year-olds. He, he won a goal he made last month, beating It's Time to Unite by three, four lengths. You know, convincing performance, because the Golden Elite horse was winning quite positively and quite confidently by David Russell from the front. Um, he ruled them in really easily. He looks like a kind of forward my mate, Mozzie Tight, that would run really well in a Royal Bond and maybe go to maybe not be kind of top supreme class, particularly if Fasil holds a ground and maybe running kind of these kind of festivals like um, Leclestown, Dublin Racing Festival, th- things like that to get a mark for the county hurdle uh, and maybe in the mid-140s or something like that. Um, uh, he's, he's, he's potentially dangerous. So he, he, he'd be a second one uh, that's, that's worth following. The third one is one that we've touched on already. We've all been caught mm-hmm. for Nigel Twist and Davis. Uh, he was third in that Ballymore trial in November meeting was very green, he was pretty clueless what he was doing, Charles Dawn, he needs soft ground. Um, the trainer, and, and, and admittedly the trainer always does this with any decent horse he's got, is, is compared with Imperial Commander. Uh, this one's no different, but he's been bought in mind with fencing, he's been bought in mind with Cheltenham directly for the owner, so they are planning to try and win something. And if it does come bottomless, 
33 is 41 at the moment for Albert Bartlett is worth monitoring. Um, interested to see where he would go. You'd imagine like he'd mop up all the kind of like heavy ground Haydock trials mm-hmm. and stuff like that in the soft ground in the winter. Um, so he's 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 definitely one that I'm going to be following. Fourth one's a Henry de Bromhead horse, five year old in the pockets. Um, bought by JP McManus for £290,000. He's a point-to-point winner. He won a maiden at Wexford quite impressively. Uh, he quickened away from a horse called Joyu Mashan, who was deemed good enough by Paul Nolan to run the champion bumper. Uh, he, he was rated 121 in the purple, so he can definitely go places. He's around 20, 25 to 1 in Supreme, so Mark, I haven't missed him, but I think if he had Bromhead kind of a wee kind of like pacey horse, and he's also getting entry in the Royal Bond, so he might be the Bromhead's two-miler. And I, I do find it interesting that J.P. McManus has got a horse with him because it's, it's a pretty rare kind of combination there. Um, mm-hmm. That's an interesting one. Um, number five is a Willie Mullins trained horse. Madman's Game. Okay. Another five-year-old. This horse was back from 33-1 to 1 on the day to 10-1 to 1 in the champion bumper because of the mud arrived. He's absolutely out and out stare. Uh, and he got pestled for the league by a stable mate that went loose, and he actually yeah. travelled quite well to the path, and then faded away understandably. Set a, a solid pace and kind of borderline unraceable conditions that day. Um, they persisted with him at a high level because um, they went to the champion bump on Ireland at Bunchestown, where he went off forty to one, and again he did the same thing. <laughs> he did the donkey work for mm-hmm. more fancied stable mates, um, set out in front, and again he didn't get an. He didn't, he didn't get an uncontested lead that day either. Pulled on for fifth there. Um, he won initially at Navin, and he beat a horse called Landrake, who was third to Facil Vega on debut, and the horse in second was Joyu Machan. Mm-hmm. Um, so even all these kind of thin outsider bumper lines, you still can come back to your mm-hmm. obvious favourites. So he's a half-brother to Gentleman's Game. He's a complete steer chaser in the making, you know, three mile plus. Um, he's probably not one for Cheltenham, perhaps, in spring, but, you know, like a, a, something like an Irish national, you can see him mopping up with a big strapping grey horse, you know, he's going to play on uh, remorselessly. So, yeah, I think he's a, just a complete out and out galloper. There'll be a minor time with him in national route, probably the way to go. Brilliant. I am going to go for, to start, my first one is a horse that ran on Saturday for the McNeils and Gordon Elliott. Three-card Bragg was third behind Hercule de Soy. Now, I, Hercule de Soy, is he going to be maybe top top of the Mullen Street in terms of Supreme? I don't think so, but I think three-card Bragg looked to me like an out-and-out stare. He looked to me like he's going to appreciate a step-up and trip. I would be amazed if he's not running over two and a half next time out. He's the first one for me. Second one is another novice hurdler who is getting all the reports out of the Henderson camp that it could be quite special in the Donnelly Colours, Jet Powered. I just think as well, you look at the Henderson record, there's a lot of positive notes coming out about him. He's entered on Monday, I believe. I think, is it Hereford? I might be wrong. It might Kempton. not be Hereford. Kempton. Kempton. The way that Henderson targets these horses, he always seems to have won that he targets for certain areas. He did it last year with with John Bond, we knew where we would likely see him. I think this could be another one here. Jet Howard for me could be another one. The third one, to me, I'm just going to get the name because I was going to get your thoughts on this. There was a horse that ran in a juvenile hurdle on Saturday at Cheltenham 
by the name of Persis Way for the Moors. Now, I had him in my column at five to one and went to work. And when the next time I looked at the market, he was sitting at 25 to one and finished second behind a very eye-catching horse called scriptwriter from Milton Harris. He might not be one for Cheltenham, but if you look at like of Porticello, Nassalam, the Moors always seem to have a horse for roundabout, particularly the kind of juvent, the finale hurdle at Christmas at Chepstow. Keep an eye on him for that. He could maybe be one for, for that kind of juvenile division. He's one to follow for me. Next one, I think Lucia for Nicky Henderson could be, could be a bit special. Was meant to run on Saturday, but she was pulled out due to the ground. She won at, I think, I can't remember where, I think it might have been Weatherby. Just, just, after, Chris, just after Cheltenham, she won by 17 lengths. I, I think we all want to see Henry de Bromhead have a winner on that race, obviously because it's named after his son. But I think Lucia could be a bit special. I think if she's aimed, she's obviously going to have a, she might not be able to get another run over kind of bumpers before before the end of November. But if she does and she goes over her, though she might have a couple of runs before Cheltenham, she could be really, really interested in a mayor's novice. And my fifth one was Capadano. I think Capadano just as a, a potential outsider for a gold cup. Yeah, I think Capadano could be one. So that's my five to follow. It's there's not a there's not a short price in there. No, there's not. Um, I think Lucia does actually have a have a hurdle entry. It's something oh, next week that I, I looked at. Yeah, so yeah, that's a good thing. I'm I'm, I'm quite glad she didn't. I'm quite glad she didn't run because I don't. I think Queen's Gamble was really good that day. Let's have a run and a bumper and then go over hurdles. You know, everyone's moaning about the ground. We can't race on it. Why waste time and have another run at the bumper at the start of the season? Just get them over hurdles. And Correct. It's quite annoying in that regard. But, yeah, no, she, she does have that kind of star potential. I see her going off. I see her climbing the ladder pretty quickly. She could be maybe an epitome type where I think it, it came a year too soon in a male's novice, but the year after you could see the, the improvement. So she might not be one for a male's novice, but keep an eye on her for a for down the line because she could be potentially special. We'll now take a look at what's coming up this week. We have a couple of grade ones to talk about and potentially a couple of stars for the future to, to talk about as well. We'll start with the big grade one of the, the weekend, the Betfair Chase at Haydock. Apple Tard obviously going for his second consecutive win, the Gold Cup winner back out for his seasonal appearance. He's up against four runners, Protector at Bristol Demai, Eldorado Allen and Frodon. Should he just win? Yes. Um, there was a bit of market volatility overnight that Henry Durham had moved this morning to kind of cross those rumours so that should be running. Could that be one to two's fair? I feel into that sort mm. of thing. Or, uh, try and find a second. Maybe Eldorado Allen, because he's got a run under his belt. Yeah. Might Protector at second, I'm, I'm not too sure, but yeah, I'm focusing on those three. I think Bristol Demise seems a bit over the hill, and I don't, I don't think this is kind of the intended target for Frodo. And it was probably a bit, a bit too far. I'm surprised Frodo's going. Yeah, um, if, if he comes up, he, he might still be pulled out. He's, he's a big price, isn't he? Yeah, but I think it's I think it's an absolute hard win. The next one, uh, the graduation chase, Hitman's a short price favourite. Second, obviously, a couple of weeks ago. He's eight to thirteen. You've got like some Manila drama, Ernie River, Fee, Elvis Mail. There's it looks difficult to oppose Hitman, doesn't it? Just terms in terms of kind of terms of ratings, yeah. Um, you could you could look at the exit of running, you say, you know, the, 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 the last time running, he's, he's given tons of weight away to, to 
a decent horse and, and he just failed. I, I thought he hung behind a little bit and his, his, his last six runs we two two three two two three. Mm-hmm. That's not a horse you don't want to be back in odds on. Even a race less nature, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Should he win? Yeah. Will he probably win? Yeah. But at the price with that form, it's just the numbers that are kind of you, you'd expect him to win a couple of those races as well. Um, Last time out, yeah, it was a good week carrying effort. Maybe it was just the weeps kind of telling you tired that you did hang a little bit and, and didn't get to Riders in the Storm, who does go well fresh, but mm-hmm. you know, wait for ages really. And it was a bit of a shock, he wasn't really supporting the market. So, yeah, there, there is a reason to kind of take him on. The opposition isn't great, vanilla no. drama goes well around here. He looked like he needed the run, Carlisle, Nicole, and Parker, you know. I thought it was a decent enough effort. Still finished ahead of like the likes of Corrick Ramble and things like that. It's usually a little warm race. Um, you might have a small bet on him against Hitman, but it wouldn't be anything extravagant. I'm looking at a horse at ten to one now. You cannot trust him within an inch of his life. But the big breakaway, I'm still not giving up that he could potentially win a big one. He's got a couple of entries, isn't he? Declaring the big uh, the handicap later yeah. on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends whether he runs, but yeah, if he gets his act together, then he's a, he's a plausible player. Mm-hmm. The next one, the Betfair uh, Stairs handicap hurdle. I am very big in a horse here for, for Nicky Alexander that I saw in the flesh a couple of weeks ago. I was at air and saw were cool. Win really well, won over three miles in soft ground. Probably will be the similar ground here. It's going to be soft, I think. I think there's a lot of rain forecast today. At 12 to 1 for Nicky Alexander, he's in good form. He's had a lot of winners in the past few weeks. I would potentially take him at a place. Yeah, not not really a race I've really looked at, but I wouldn't, wouldn't argue against him in form. You know, we'd have an each week chance, you'd think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's always bottomless for the ground that he don't. I mean, it's really hard betting with, with, much, with much confidence there, I, I feel. Mm-hmm. We'll move into Ask It. Couple of hot races to talk about. The 1965 Chase, Lahorn Press is sitting at four to seven for the Venetia Williams. Is obviously we'll get a test in his credentials if he's going to step up. And obviously he was he was really good last year, I thought, in the RSA where he just he, he took advantage of the, the great I think he conditions suited him better and he just took advantage of it. Pick Dory at three to one though, he's he's not a bad horse and he looked he looked quite good in his reappearance. You would probably say, in terms of last season, kind of British-wise, Lahorn Press was probably the best novice chaser, but right behind him, kind of mid-range trip, was probably picked Dory. Yeah, one five five. He's not far away. Uh, he's just he's very all in or nothing in the way. He's very aggressive, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. So he's the threat if it's good ground. Um, because he he definitely fly he would, he would take you know home press who does want it a little bit softer than it mm-hmm. currently is it's, it's no good to soft um, they're going to try and war it to preserve that to keep the home press in Constitution Hill and they'll hopefully running um, Dashiell Drasher acts really well at Ascot he won a hurdle but he really kind of no right to in the, in the figures he wasn't really ready for it still won it yeah he's a big player he's won an Ascot chase. So uh, he's he's definitely dangerous. Um, if Venetia Williams has not really had many of the horses out, given mm-hmm. that they prefer uh, by and large softer ground, so uh, there's probably reason to take 
take him on in, in, in that regard at the top of six at, at the moment anyway but we've just always got to watch what the ground's like at the moment yeah I kind of fancy pick Dory actually the more I look at it the Ascot hurdle over two mile three furlongs I think we're all hoping we're going to see Constitution Hill I think I'm looking at the going just now the going description is good good to firm in places and Nicky Henderson a quote if the word firm is in the going he will not be taking part you've mentioned there that they're probably going to water it Ascot What's the percentage that Constitution Hill lines up, Saturday? I think yesterday it was very unlikely. But today there was a lot of rain. Um, the going just updated there this morning. Chris Stickles just came out to Sky and said that it's good to soft. Okay. Which is a help. Um, but again, it never really... Sh- I, w- I would wait till we see what the ground's like on Friday. Yeah. Um, a fair indication. At the moment, I think we'll get away with it. Um We've been here before with Nicky Hennels, of course, with Shishkin and Alto on what grounds are, and it gets a little bit tedious, you know, just wait and see what happens, really. It's going to be his decision at the end of the day, you know, just get set there and suffer, so he's going to make the market. Um, it was a big move out that went towards against. He's probably going to be chipped back in. Uh, and he, he really should win, shouldn't he? Uh, if he doesn't turn up, uh, good risk at all is, is, is interesting, I would say. Sam yeah, that's, I think that's, it's... That's if he goes there. Yeah, I think it's very interesting that St. Sam's got an entry as well. I don't know what the plan is. Obviously, ran last year over fences, right? No, but again, it's one of these things of this kind of a bit of a train this year of we'll give them one run over hurdles and then go over fences and, and bumper run and then go. To me, it's it's a waste of time, but uh, that's, that's what trainers seem to be. Some trainers want to, want to do at the moment, but mm-hmm. um, Goshen won't win, will he? No chance. No chance. I... I text you saying that I think he's going to win the Henry VIII. So I'm openly going to admit that was embarrassing. I don't think he's going to be winning anything. He's not going to be winning anything. I've always been against him, but he's, he's everyone's Marmite horse. He's, and you need that in racing. Everyone will have a strong opinion on, on Goshen. They'll, they'll love him or they, or, or they will not have him. And I'm in the latter with him. There's a very interesting beginner's chase at Punchestown on Saturday, and I'm just going to run through some of the entries. Now, all these might not go, but I'm just going to run through them all. Flame Bearer, Gaia Dumanil, Irascible, Journey With Me, Kilcrap, Manella Crooner, St. Felician. If all of them run, what a race that is. Yeah, at the start of the season, you're always saying that if they all run, and the vast majority of them end up not running. But yeah, they're all, they're all going to be very bright prospects. It's over two mile three, so... It suits intermediate ones. It suits the stairs that are just starting out, and it and your pacey ones can probably get away with that track, like punches mm-hmm. down quite sharp. So it, it should it should be a race that attracts all kinds of of of, of novices. Um, and then you've got the Craddocks Town as well. Uh, there you've also got a, a first Irish pair to qualifier mm-hmm. that week as well. Um, there's a good list in there's hurdle with Queen's Book. I think it's going to come back. So yeah, there is plenty. Plenty to get teeth into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ornal as well. Tomorrow's quite good. Uh, you've got, you've got a, a Scarlet and Dove versus Ellie May. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and another decent uh, Blue Lord versus uh, Tornado Flyer as well. So it's it's starting starting to heat up a little bit. Yeah. Sunday, obviously, we have the Morgiana at Punchestown. The Willie Mullins show by the looks of it. He's got six of the eight entries. I don't see them all going. I think, well, I don't see all six of them going. You've got Tia, the other two, obviously, Tia Hoopoo and Jesse Evans. I think it's going to be interesting what 
Paul Townend's whatever Paul Townend's riding is obviously the one that is the number one in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to be significant, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Bones uh, did see six hundred and ten runners, but this is the stats of of all stats uh, in this race, as you alluded to. Willie Mullins is six of the eight entries. All six of them are different ages. Alright, okay. Four. Man is five. Echoes and Rain is six. So Gerhard is seven. Soldi is eight, and Charter is nine. There you go. That's why we pay you the big that, bucks. That, is, that was just kind of a unique kind of wee quirk sport thing. There's no kind of rhyme or reasons to it, and I think that's what Willie Mullins is going to think of. It's just, it's just a, an exercise in what, where am I at in the two mile division? Do I have anything that can? Hold the candle to what Constitution Hill might be mm-hmm. and what the buckle is. So he's just trialing it and mixing it. And I wouldn't be surprised if quite a lot of these run. Um, I find it very interesting that when it was priced up, when they were entered, Vauban was four to nine. Now I think you were taking that as Vauban, that was Vauban's clear target. But now you've got State Man and Sir Gerhard. I don't think Vauban, if all of them run, I don't think I if I was a bookmaker, I couldn't price it as Vauban being odds on. Well, State Man would definitely be a lot closer. We look at the champion huddle market, for instance, they can't split them there. So why can you split mm-hmm. them? Um State Man definitely seems to at the very start of the season it looked like Sir Gerhard was definitely going over fences. He was 50-50 about State Man and Vauban would be his kind of number one champion huddle. This will yeah. be on to get Saldi on track, mm-hmm. Shadow on track for Christmas and Echoes and Rain isn't a two and a half mile, so she has to really has to really come here, and she might as well with allowance gives us a squeak if yeah. something's off form. So you're left with you're really left with Volba and State Man also getting hard to win this. Um, it's probably going to be between Volba and State Man because that's probably in between the pole towns maybe pick. So Gerhard is probably the, most, the the likely one that won't turn up. Yeah, in my opinion. I don't understand why Willie Mullins, he's a genius and I very, very rarely criticise him, but why is this horse at seven years old, it's been bought as a point-to-pointer by an ownership that just buy for Gold Cup horses, mm-hmm. why is he even contemplating being a champion hurdler? And the, most, the only more ridiculous thing of not sending over fences and keeping him hurdling is start him out here at Punchestown. Yes. He's been beaten twice and he even said after that race, maybe it's a track, maybe he doesn't like it here. Well, that's what he said after that race. So sometimes I think you have too many options for your own good here. Then, but I was owner, I was following this horse. I'd be then, what's what's going on here? Yeah, I, know, I can't, I can't understand I'm it either. Giving it a second thought of him going over fences. I can it's understand to a degree the Hatton's grace to maybe could to maybe because he he handled the Bally Ballymore track reasonably well. But he misses hurdles. I don't think he's going to be a champion hurdler. He's, he, he just looks the most obvious type to, to send over fences immediately. Yeah. He's already seven. He spent time being a bumper horse and then a novice hurdler. Maybe they think that he can completely do it all, but champion looks hot enough. Make he over, over fences, I would say, and get to go cut before the age of nine. Yeah, I think I, I do think that's what will happen. I do think he will eventually go over fences. I think this is maybe just a, as you say, I, I do notice a lot of horses are going over hurdles and then Phil Dawes are one as well. What are they doing? Yeah, Phil Dawes a weird one as well. They've got 
they've got Pied Piper for the channel in the same ownership, Correct. In the same division, the same races. Why are they both still over hurdles? Exactly. It really, it really, it just baffles me. <laughs> it baffles me. Same way bumpers going up to you know the hurdles. Oh, we'll just have another run in the bumpers. No, it jumps horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I was to, if the, all the horses are the same price, the Morgiana, who'd you back? Boban. Boban, I think Boban as well. I think I'll be each way into your hoopoo as well. But we'll move into our lucky 15 for the Cheltenham Festival. Last year, we obviously got a lot of talk about uh, Callum picked a lucky 15 that was very, very unlucky. So I thought for the opening weekend, we are going to both do a lucky 15 for the festival. It's going to be interesting how this is going to work. We're going to go one each, and the f- you're going to go first. So, what is your first selection for the lucky fifteen? Banbridge and Arkle. Okay. Uh, the reason why I deliberately omitted them from from seeing anything um, earlier on. He reminds me of Fakir Dudiri a lot. Okay. And the flexibility in his trip, um, you know, ready to do two and a half. He won the Martin Pipe, it was slowly run, mm-hmm. speed won that really. Um, the third in that Hall of Games looks an equally good novice chaser in terms of improvement. Adamantly chosen as well, further down, who runs in the Carrots, and he could win that as well. <coughs> so that already automatically has a pretty strong look to the Martin Pipe, traditionally does churn out really good chasers down the line. Um, I think it's very professional. Um, he put a horse that's rated 161, Tommy's also. He's been good enough to win a champion hurdle. It's great to hurdle class. You know, one of Britain's probably best hurdlers at the moment, which it might be a damn indictment of the two-mile division, but nonetheless, put him away quite comfortably. Um, but his jumping's fantastic. He's not overly enthusiastic. He's settled, you know, he'll stay further. Um, the Rich Borg was in a previous kind of proper type as well. He started out two and a half. Fakadu Dudley started two and a half. His, his best novice chasers kind of start out going up and they have the flexibility to come back down. You need to stay in an arkle as well up the hill. Um, and the three horses in Joseph O'Brien's lifetime training in two and a half mile, or two mile novices at the Cheltenham Festival in terms of chasing have all finished second. Mm-hmm. Um, us and them, who was his second string to Rushborg, clearly that year, was second. Um, Faculty Degree was second, and Bosselton was second mm-hmm. last year, which is a bit of a cheat because he didn't run well, but still, still second. So, uh, yeah, um, and, and all of them were decent prices. There's four teams sniffing out by the crowd as a single, that's not bad either. I think I know you've got potential John Bond and, and one out Mullins as horses that might be top class. He's obviously be vulnerable to that top class, but I find it really hard to see an English horse beating him at the moment. And and another three would certainly knock him out of the frame because mm-hmm. he it was such it was just so solid, no nonsense kind of the time was good, everyone was efficient, he didn't miss a beat. Uh, he just looked really accomplished and and, and forward. Um, Ederson won the Arco by being more forward than anyone else because then yeah. Back experience and he ran, he came out of handicap company and, and, and did well. So, yeah, it's a race that can also cut up a field mm-hmm. deal as well. So, I think four teams for him is not bad. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. My first pick is going to be in the Mayor's Hurdle and it's going to be a horse for Willie Mullins. That could be a, a common theme here. 
Brandy Love now. Brandy Love was very, very crazy before Cheltenham in that race against Allegory Devassi. Jumped ridiculously left to the point. Only finished three and a half lengths behind Allegory Devassi, who I do think will develop into quite a good chaser down the line. The mare's novice, she was pulled out on the day due to the ground. That mare's novice, I don't know. That, I don't think that mare's novice was good at all. I think she would have been close to winning that. She then went out at Punchestown again, right-handed after the festival. And I thought, what, what are they doing here? Why are they running her? And she was straight as an arrow. She was straight as an arrow. That tells me a lot that they've straightened out her jumping. The mayor's division last season, I don't think was brilliant. I have a ton of respect for Queensbrook. I think she will probably be the more forward. I don't think Epiton is going to be a proper two and a half miler. I know she beat Zana here, but she was very, very lucky that day. I think, and she was, I thought she was bang average actually in the race that uh, Marie's Rock won, who I think is quite good as well. But I do think there's potentially something better. And I think Brandy Love could just be that. I, I hope I mean, they haven't mentioned fences, so I'm 99% confident that she's going to stay over hurdles. So I think it's 72. She's a bit short, but I've got I've seen four, four to one, 92 kicking about. So about 92, I think Brandy Love could be a, an interesting candidate for the male's hurdle. Now that they've straightened out her jumping, and my advice would be if she stays left-handed, she could be very, very good in this division this year. Yeah, I still think she's a bit of a head case. She uh, could be. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's completely uh, ironed out, but yeah. She reminds me of York Hill. She's one of the most potential in, in terms of things, and it's the obvious one that you'd pick. Moving chains go out. Epitone, you can just kind of see her concept of style mugging because she doesn't quite stay up that hill over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be a bit, although undisputedly class act, and the other form is very good. The trip would be a bit of a doubt and you, you do see mayors being outstaying this quite often mm-hmm. um, black and black tears won it uh, Marie's Rock even it turned into a stamina contest you do need to kind of stay um, and, and out battled so I think Epitone would be out battled by somebody it might be Brandy Love um, she might also wipe out half the field and she could she could she could win it yeah she could she could be a she could be a very frustrating horse this season I think I'm going to be on here a few times being quite frustrated with her but in terms of that that division, I don't think there's anything. I don't. Queensbrook, I think, is going to be interesting. A very disappointing uh, reintroduction, isn't she? When Gone Ellis was kind of very bullish at the stage. Yeah. She's kind of been clipped back in, which maybe sums up a lack of alternatives in that race. It's not a race if I had a deep, deep look at. All the time, something Gil going, obviously chasing, you know, mm-hmm. would help. Opens that up. Marie's Rock, they've, they've muted going up to three miles of work as Epitone to two and a half. So. It could really, if Brandy Love has straightened out for definite and it does cut up a little bit, and then, yeah, 472 might definitely not be, be that bad come March. Yeah. What is your next selection? Four important level. Okay. Five to one, big time champ. I don't see much opposition. Um, Blazing Cal, yeah, sexy, un, un, unexposed horse, but he's been met with another setback. Um, it's not as if Charles Burns can have a handicap mark to just plot here. Uh, you know, you've got their parish in straight there. Mm-hmm. Like grade one really, with a mid 160s horse. Um, he'll only eight as well, come spring. He's still a bit young. Uh, there's a lot of upside to him. I don't see anything from all the relevant horses from the battle are going chasing or are out. There's nothing really in two and a half mile division that I'd be too concerned about. 
um, Paisley Park, Sandy Bell, they all get older. He's still in the same. No, I think, yeah, maybe a slight backward step. Maybe he would have looked for a little bit more, but there was nothing wrong with it. He jumped well enough, sound enough, just get out pace and then kind of plugged on. And he still, still ran to the line okay enough, unlike unlike Bob Long, who, who, who paddled, even though he finished well in front. But yeah, I, I think he's still in the solid one. You just know that everything everything orientates around going back there with the syndicate for the third time. No way accident track gets one well. And Gavin Cromwell, I think, is an exceptional target trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, already showed that early on. To get to get Sweet Will to win at the November, mm-hmm. three days after going at Fearing House and the penalty, just very good planning. Um and I think I think it just I, I just trust him to be to be spot on again and I think he'll just do it again. My next pick comes in the National Hunt Chase for Willie Mullins. Now, I should say that I don't like his price just now. I think he's ridiculously short. But I do think Guy Abdominio's got the perfect profile for this race. Second season chaser. Third in the Brown Advisory last year, staying on. I know we had the debate a couple of years ago when he was a novice hurdler that he was running in the Ballymore and we felt he was up against Bob Ollinger in Brave Man's game. We felt those two were going to do him for toe and that turned out to be the case. But he's it wasn't, I think he had five runs over fences last year and he didn't win, so he's, that experience could be crucial. At times it can be frustrating, but the third and the, the Brown advisor I thought was really good. I thought he stayed on. I thought he stayed on. He then went to run in the Irish National, and I remember texting you, I've got, I've seen, I looked through this text this morning, so I got the, perf- uh, the exact price. I backed him at 20 to 1 that day for the, the National Hunt chase. He ran in the Irish National, finished third, Frontal assault was in front of him, finished second, but he was given frontal assault £17. So I think he is potentially better than frontal assault. I think he's a lot better horse than frontal assault. He's going to maybe run on Saturday. I think we'll be a better clue then. But three to one is very short. But in terms of profile, the fact that Patrick always seems to have won in his eyes straight away for this race, I think the experience factor, I think, I've not chemical energy looked pretty good, but Gaia Dominio to me looks to be the perfect, perfect ideal runner for this race. And he's the likes of Statler carefully selected, a couple of Mullins horses that have just run it in their first season. I think a second season horse could potentially be the, the way forward here. I would three to one short, but for this, I do like him. Yeah, I think he's got a touch of class as well. But, um... But all of a sudden, you really need an actual hunt chase. Mm-hmm. Galvin Statler come to mind. <coughs> Galvin was a second season, second season chaser as well. Run while Fred was made to yeah. look like boats by by Statler, wasn't he? And, yeah. So so yeah, no, it's, yeah. If he turns up, he's already rated in the high one fifties. That's more than enough usually to win that. The experience of it as well. I thought he could have been closer in the Brown advisory. I think it back to me it's way late on because it was all, all these sort of defections. Mm-hmm. I think if he could have been further into it a little bit a little bit sooner, he would have, he would have got closer. Um yeah, no, he, he was he definitely a big big player, chemical energy, the race that he won. It fell apart. It fell apart with yeah. life in the park and bombing out as he did. Um the the skeleton horse Bally Griffin Cottage mm-hmm. might be one that they might try and map out for that. But it's not a traditional race that they kind of go for. They would go to Warwick for the, the Hampton and things like mm-hmm. that. 
that's normally a, a, a typical prep. But yeah, opposition at this early stage looks looks fairly thin on the ground for him if he if he does go there. Mm-hmm. What's the third one for you? Uh, just saying, like, I mean, the champion chase. I know it's short, but I just think a win. Uh, you know, like to have like in a bank of leg in, in this, and I think you know he'd, he'd probably be the one. I, either him or Delta or the cross country chase. You know, they would be your kind of Wednesday kind of middle day bankers. Or like this, this won't get beat. Um, mm-hmm. I, think, I think he's holding every single ace in the pack in this division at the moment. And I don't really see that changing. So we've got Energamin and the champion chase. My next one comes in the Ballymore. It's a horse I've marked out for this for a, a good 12 months at least. American Mike at 92. They ran him over two miles, six furlongs, I think, to see if he'd get the battle of trip, but I just don't think they, I think they'll go Ballymore. I think it all depends, obviously, on Facil Vega. But if American Mike lines up in the Ballymore, I... I'm all over them actually, and I think as you say, he'll go to the Lawlers of Nace. I think they'll just they'll do it exactly the same as they did with Gentle. You might see him at Christmas, maybe in kind of something where he should just go and win. It might be something like Limerick or Down Royal or something, just to get a run into him before the not Christmas actually, maybe the start of December. You've got the start of December, Lawlers of Nace, maybe the beginning of January, and then I think you'll see him just towards the festival. So I find something for him. Yeah. But I think nine to two is a decent price considering that I think I think if Facil Vega wasn't wasn't there or was totally to going towards the Supreme, I think he'd be a lot shorter than he is. So I think nine to two could be pretty decent. Yeah, I personally just I don't think we've seen enough to, to bet novice holes at the moment, uh, personally. Uh, and I think the market is is relatively well covered mm-hmm. in in the established form anyway of, of, of bumpers. Yeah. So, these these new ones, like you mentioned, Jet Powered, for instance, um, you'd be one. There'll be Springers and that that Bartlett. I, th- I mean, I think there's like six or seven that you can shortlist in that Albert Bartlett at the moment. They're completely under the radar. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That that race is always the same, though. There's always. And it, it usually does plan out like that. I, I mean, the nice the nice guy was so easy to back when you look at it now. Yeah, and he get bigger with the time that back to Manny. Yeah. Uh, amazingly, he, he did come off bigger. Yeah. It's is one of the more appealing races in terms of betting because they always just put the fancy ones at the top of the mm-hmm. because they're the more fancy ones anyway, and they might they might go up and trip. You know, yeah. so yeah. you can you can find the odd gem in there, um, but yeah, it's just it's just too early. I'm not seeing enough in all the at the moment. In my opinion, what is your final selection for your lucky fifteen? Shepard de saw in the bumper. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's just a bit of a, a chance, but ten to one. He's he's been the market moves suggest that he's kind of very high in Mullins as a. Are you the only back. person in the world who hasn't backed King of Kingsfield for this race? Uh, well, I've looked at Gone Elliot's bumper horses, and I think they've been pretty poor. To be honest, in terms of Cheltenham quality, I've uh, better days ahead. No, um, King of Kingsfield, I think's. A bit of temperament issue for bumpers anyway. I don't, I don't think he's that impressive. Um, I, there was another one that ran this week that looked a bit slow to me. I think I, I think Willie Mullins and, and Gordon Ellis usually pretty far ahead. He's he's usually further ahead with juveniles and bumper horses than Willie Mullins is on mm-hmm. a season basis. So I, I'd be concerned if I'd backed anything any post of Gordon Ellis I've seen so far for the champion bumper. I don't think they're up to standard. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a Severe Harlan there. I don't think there's a 
American Mike in there at the moment. Um, I don't think I can sound really target the bumper. The only time they've done it was Avocadabra. And I liked Avocadabra as yeah. well. He ran through a rail as well. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but you you're able to get ludicrous prices about him back then, so it wasn't too bad. And like every good each way bet, uh, he finished fourth uh, that year. So uh, yeah, I, I just think Willie Mullins will probably win champion bumper the way it's going, and he's the one to top of the market and pens. So what happened with Fasal Vega? Okay, there's, there's nothing that suggests he's going to Fasal Vega. There's, there's no hype in that regard, but. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gonna he's he's probably gonna be up there. He runs several in the race, uh, more often than any other trainer would. So I think tens is 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 fair enough to get to get some kind of price in there. He's gonna go there. He's he's there's no plan to go hurdling, I don't think. Yeah. My final selection comes in the brown advisory. Now I, I will apologize that we're not doing this maybe a week early to get maybe got a bit of better value here. But Jerry Colombe yesterday I thought was really impressive. I thought he jumped really well. You can tell this horse is a chaser. He's just a, he's going to be a staying chaser. He's going to be, a, I think, the bottom with a gold cup in mind. I think you get 22s yesterday. I think I've I done this lucky 15. It was 22 to 1. He's now 10 to 1. But I can totally understand the drop because he done it well. It wasn't, I mean, Braun, I would imagine there's Willie Mullins get two or three horses kind of over three miles that are going to be better than Braun. Manila Kakuna could be a, a big one as well. But I just think the way he did it, the way he jumped, He's always a he's always a this in mind that this is where he's going to go. I don't see them going a national hunt chase route with him. I think he could be a three mile horse, and I think they could run him here in ten to one. I think it's fair. Yeah, he's great one class. I've always liked him. I've liked him for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. As bumper days have followed him, there has been many a, a day in in the summer and the twilight where like, I have stared at his price for the brown advising. Thought, yeah, I can see him going off shortly, but I just just never brought myself to really pull the trigger and the reason why is because Thurlts was a bit was soft and it jarred them up a little bit and it forced them to miss the rest of the season yeah and spring festivals if it comes up decent ground I'd be a bit fearful for them I, I would kind of in the long run I would hope that he wouldn't run to be honest on, on that on that ground and he'd get away with good to soft as he's shown Thurlts he can he can get away with it he can act on it but it is the knock-on effect of that that you would be mindful of. Um, he's, he's definitely a player, you know, if it was the conditions that it was this season, yeah, you you, you would be on everyone's radar. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the niggling doubt of poor independence comes spring. Limerick, that, that race at Limerick that Farrak Glenn went to last year is ideal for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well. And, and he's been, he's been, he, he has kept... Right-handed, which I think is a quirk because I've not seen any in it in his jumping, but he, he's he's exclusively in race right-handed. That, that yeah. So, and travel Cheltenham asks a little bit of a question, but he, there is no doubt in my mind that he has he has a very high-class prospect. Yeah, I do think as well. I think the nice guy would have been very hard to beat in this race if he, if everything had went to plan. Another horse I love. Yeah, I hope, I, hope he comes back. To, yeah, I hope he does as well. And well, you know. They're all, well, the monkfish one's interesting because straight away they were doing the stable tour and they, they asked they asked Willie about him and Willie said, you won't see him before the spring. Now that says to me, that was the kind of top of the game vibes as well, where you wouldn't see him before the spring, but you might see him at, at, in a festival. Yeah, it's basically, it's, it's not looking good, we'll try our best again, but I Aye, yeah, and it's gotten because I think you, you in particular, you were saying here, you thought he'd won the Gold Cup and he's novice here, you, you were that impressed with him. 
he could have gone for it, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, at the Dublin Racing Festival, what he did was spectacular. Yeah, and I think he's probably um, from that. And it's that thing as well, we look at like Envoy Allen, Bob Ollinger, these horses that we build up so high. Sam Crow's a good example as well. Sam Crow's seems to have come back to life. I think Sam Crow's entered this week as well in a, a, kind of, is it a Hunter's Chase he's maybe in? Dominant in the point-to-point field at the moment. I think he's illegible for like... Do, do we build horses too high up and then when they fall, it just it takes us so long to just forgive them and give them another chance? I think that's the punting aspect of it. The, the punting aspect of it is, yeah, you have to be careful because you do, you, you do have a vested interest in the mm-hmm. performance of that certain day. So, hard to forgive in that. And then you've got the other side of just, you know, brilliant animals that you enjoy seeing. Yeah, know. yeah. Balancing it out, but yeah, the hype thing is justified. Like any sport, you know, you're always hyped up to to watch the best of it and mm-hmm. and what what matters to you. So yeah, it's certainly worth following. That's when I think that's a big appeal in Ashland. Yes, yeah. you, you do get these horses developing from bumpers to hurdles to, to chases. Yeah, we spend more time with them than we do with flat horses. Yeah, it's a bit more of a connection. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the first show of the, the season wrapped. We are going to be back next week as well. We are going to be back, obviously, the World Cup's going to be on next week, so we'll be fitting the show in during that as well, Callum. It's going to be good, isn't it? It's a, the, sport, the sport season is fully upon us. A winter World Cup and some national hunt racing. What could be better? It's, it's constant. It's <laughs> five minutes. It's, it's, all, it's all go. Um, yeah, it's a bit of starts to really pick up, doesn't it? Yeah, hopefully the rain will will come and, and, and everyone can get everyone can get on and can really go on with it and can really look forward to kind of the big kind of and it'll always be Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But thank you very much for joining us, Carl. It's been a pleasure. No, thanks again. Brilliant. Thank you very much for everyone that's tuned in. Please follow us on social media. We'll also have a column out Saturday, Sunday for the weekend racing and also for, uh, subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channels and we'll be back next week. Thanks very much everyone. See you soon. Cheers. Mm-hmm.